we sing that again. I love. I
feel your spirit in this place. Go right now, if you just sense the Holy Spirit all over you, would you just begin to pray in faith? So ta na na ma ma say, oh na 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 ma ma say. Come on, would you begin to pray in your heavenly tongue this morning? Would you worship Him? Would you worship Him? So ta na ma ma say, we lift our voice. So na na ma ma, see na 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 ma say, oh na 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 ma ma Help us to believe, help us to believe this morning. Oh, help us to believe in all that you said and all that you promised us. Help us to believe this morning. Oh, that you are here. Help us to believe that when you say you heal, you heal. That when you say you break the chains, you break chains. Help us to believe that when you said you conquered death in our lives, you've done that, Lord. Help us to believe this morning. We're a church that believes in the Lord this morning. We're not saying we're perfect. But we're saying that every time we come in the presence of God, we just surrender. And we allow him to speak to us. Sometimes that's exactly what we need to do this morning. Sometimes we catch ourselves doing a lot of talking and never standing still, sitting still, and knowing that he's God. So let's do that right now. Before we enter a time where we have words, prophecy, words of knowledge in this place. Let's just be still before the Lord this morning and allow him to speak to us. Amen. We invite you, God, to speak to our hearts directly this morning. Speak to our hearts, our inmost being, God. Onto me, rest in me. Look to me and not to yourself. Look to me and not to everything else. But cast your fears and your worries to me. For I am love and I am mercy and I am abundant in my grace.
morning. He's calling you back. Come on, he's calling you this morning. Some of you have wandered from the truth. Some of you have wandered from his grace and love. And his mercy calls out loud this morning. It's for your good. Return to you, God. These altars are open. These altars are open for you right now to respond. If that was you this morning, he's calling you forth. Would you respond this morning? Would you step out in faith? Calling you back. He's calling us back. Everywhere else you look, it's false. Just look to me and there is truth. Every false religion that you have gone after, every false idea, they are shut down when you come to my truth. Let my truth be what you depend upon.
chorus again and as we do I want you to think of yourself of letting go of the things that you're holding on to so tight and I want you to think about Jesus and I want you to think about what he did on the cross for you letting go of our heart letting go of our head and feel Jesus now the Bible says that there is better is one day in his courts than a thousand somewhere else and I want you to experience the presence of God this morning. So band, as we sing that song again, I want everybody here to lift up your hands and declare to the Lord that you are letting go, that you are letting go of your thoughts, you're letting go of your control, your understanding, and you're saying, Jesus, I just gotta feel you now. I don't wanna think about anything else. I don't wanna figure out my life. I just need the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Let it go. Let it go and feel the power of God. He is here. He is here. Jesus, we need you now. We let go of our hearts. We're letting go of our heads.
and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, from everlasting to everlasting. You are the bright and morning star, and we worship you. We adore you this morning. Receive our praise and adoration. We adore you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why we gather together, saints. We gather together to worship the one true king, the one true God. I want to take some time in this service to meditate and to think about the cross, to think about the price that Jesus paid for your sin and for my sin. We had a powerful month about talking about the identity that we have in Christ, who we are because of the blood of Jesus, who we are because he came to take our place. So as the altar workers come up and prepare for communion, I want us together as the body of Christ and individually to think about the blood of Jesus. It is only because of the blood of Jesus that washes us white like snow that we can come into his presence, that we can sing songs that say, I am a friend of God. It's because he came to take our place, because the wrath of God was against us. And if it wasn't for the blood, the precious blood of Jesus, him taking our place on that cross so that we could be saved from our sin, from eternity in a lake of fire, so that we could have our sicknesses and diseases healed, our sorrows in this life healed. We couldn't be here this morning to sing praises to him, but it's because of his sacrifice, of what he did for you and me, that we have an identity of righteousness, of holiness, of purity. We are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. We serve a good God. So as, our, as my uh, elders on each side of me, they will direct the flow to come and proceed. We're gonna sing another worship song. I want you to individually go back to your seat and think about what Jesus has done for you personally. You guys can make your way up. I want you to meditate on the cross, his blood, is more than enough to wash you clean. It is more than enough to set us free. Hallelujah, Jesus.
your feet. Let's worship to this together.
a seat right where you are right now. Thank you for joining us this morning at Metro Praise. We love to worship Jesus. It is the most precious time of our service. And right now, I just want to take a couple minutes to speak to those of you who are in here today who may have never been introduced to Jesus or you have and you're not living for God the way that you know the scriptures tell us to live for him. You may be running, you may be scared, but I want to tell you today that Jesus is calling your name. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 6 through 7. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. As one of the elders in this church today, I wanna tell you that Jesus wants a relationship with you. And no matter where you are in your life right now, I wanna let you know that it's one step to Jesus and you'll never be the same again. And in that one step, there are three things that are very clearly laid out in this passage of scripture that you are to do. It takes action. It takes action. It takes a choice for you to take that one step to Jesus. Everybody say seek, forsake, and turn. It says seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I want to encourage you today that today is the day for you to seek the Lord. He can be found here. So if you know you're not living right with God, don't put it off this morning. Don't leave this church thinking that you have more time or that you'll make the choice later or you're going to have to go home and fix things up a little bit because it, your life's a little bit messy so you don't want to come to Jesus all messed up. Today is the day. Seek the Lord while he may be found, the scripture says. I want you to know that we are not promised tomorrow. The Bible says that today is the day for salvation. And Jesus is making himself known to you right now at this moment. His forgiveness, his love, his mercy, it's waiting for you to come and to receive it. The second portion of the scripture says, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Forsake means to quit or to leave entirely, to abandon, to desert, to give up. So many people, they instead of forsaking their sin, they forsake God. Instead of quitting on sin and abandoning your sin, you quit and forsaken and abandon God. I plead with you this morning, forsake your evil ways. Turn to Jesus. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it is very clear about who is not going to be able to enter into heaven. The deeds of the flesh are clearly laid out, and we learned a lot about this this month. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, 
as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In order for us to live the righteous life that God requires, we must forsake the desires of our flesh and live holy unto the Lord because he is holy and his blood makes it possible for us to live holy. His blood is more than enough. John 3, 3 tells us that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not his way and your way. It's his way or no way. It could only be done through the blood of Jesus. It's only through him that we can be saved. And the last portion of the scripture, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Jesus will forgive you. He wants to forgive you. Don't let the enemy's lies whisper into your ear this morning that you've messed up too much for the grace of God to be extended to you. The blood of Jesus was not shed in vain. He died for the whole world. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you can stand up to your feet with me this morning. If you are not right with God, I plead with you. Seek the Lord. Forsake your sin and turn to Jesus. If you're walking this way, and this is the road that is leading you to destruction, turn to Jesus and go the other way this morning. We're going to recite our confession of faith together as a family of believers. And for those of you who have not made the choice to live for Jesus, you're going to have the opportunity to do so at the end of this. And if you hear this confession together with everybody in this room and you say, I want to do that, I'm going to let you know how you can. Amen? So everybody with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal war reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you confess that with us this morning, and you received the message that I shared with you from God's heart, I want you to meet our life group leaders. These are elders in our church. David and Monica, if you could please raise your hand. If you need to get right with Jesus, please see them as we transition into our fellowship time. If there's things in your life that you need prayer for, you need to get the junk out of the trunk, meet with them. I plead with you, if you've been in a part of our church and you're trying to look for the Lord, 
and you have not joined our discipleship, our mentorship program where we teach you to live like Christ, meet with them. They will gladly plug you in to where you are supposed to be. So if you need to get saved, get right with God and join discipleship this morning. As the music begins to play, I want you to go meet with Monica and Jessica. Amen. Hallelujah. Have fun. Greet somebody that you don't know and uh, make some new friends. moments and begin to make your way back to your seat. So good to have you here this morning. Just want to welcome you to Metro Praise. Got a special guest in, a professor from the Bible College, all the way from Wisconsin. Let's give it up for Professor Brian Darrell in the house. Can you stand up and wave? Let them know who you are. Give it up. Amen. Has his master's degree in uh, an Old Testament. Is that your theology. Wow, that's the man to see right there. Both biblical languages you've studied, Greek and Hebrew. Wonderful. Just an exciting time today. Uh, the school year is starting for SUM tomorrow, Monday. So we want to pray for our SUM students right now. So if you're an SUM student and you're here, would you come stand in the front? We just want to pray for you today and acknowledge you. And Sid is one of our new students. Would you just yeah turn and face them so they can get a look at you? We also have here Christina and another Christina, Adam, 
any other of our SU and master students, come on. I know I have some master students here, right? So you guys come on up. We'll, we'll do without the band for a minute. I want to pray for you guys. We just want to lift up our students. Some are returning to get their masters. Others are going to be first-year students. Elders, would you come and just uh, stand beside them or behind them? Because I want the congregation to see them. Why don't you come stand behind them? That would probably be easier. SUM is a Bible college that is designed to uh, raise up radicals for the kingdom of God. It's a college that I went to in New Orleans. There they are. They were in the back working. Amen. Come on, spread out, spread out. And SUM stands for the School of Urban Missions. And now because of technology, we can now have the school in our church. And uh, we have 15 students starting tomorrow. Some are returning back for their master's. And others are going to be first-year students. If you're going to be a first-year student, raise your hand. Let's know the first-years are. Amen. Let's give it up for the first-year students. Amen. And then if you're going to pursue your master's degree, would you raise your hand? Amen. And if you're on the uh, five-year program, Berto, Berto and Chris, raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> they need extra prayer. They need extra prayer. Amen. Uh, we have a professor here. I think I'll have him pray over them. In congregation, would you stretch your hands as uh, Professor Daryl comes? Daryl, would you come forward and uh, just stretch your hands toward them right now? We're going to pray that they'll have a fruitful year and God will speak to them. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for this church. Lord, I lift up these students to you right now. We're getting ready for another school year, God, and I just pray that you would make their minds alive and active, God, that your spirit would flow through them, that you would make them a sponge, God, as they continue to soak up your word and soak up your plans for their lives. God, be with them. Your anointing would rest upon them. God, I pray for a financial blessing out of heaven to come down and bless these students, God, with the money they need. God, just come out of left field and blow their minds with your provision and your abundance. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own all the oil underneath those hills. God, I pray that you would bless them in a mighty way. God, we pray for the school. We pray for all the faculty. And above all, we just ask that your presence will be with us this coming school year. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Professor. Amen. All right, students, get ready to go to work tomorrow. Tomorrow it starts. What time do they need to be here, Nancy? 7.30? 7. Amen. Keep SUM students in prayer. It is not a Bible study. It is not a Bible class. It is a Bible college. We are at the same level of learning as North Park and Moody Bible Institute. They have to receive Pell Grants and loans to go to school. This is college. Their general eds are just the same as they would take at Harvard or any other college. Are, are you all tracking with me? This is not a Bible study. We have that in the mornings. So just as you think about them, this week, would you pray that God would give them the strength to accomplish this goal? Jesus' prayer upon the earth was that we would pray for more laborers. We don't have a problem with the harvest. We have a problem with laborers. That's what Jesus said. He said the harvest is great. There's a lot of people to reach. We just, world population went over 7 billion. We need more leaders, more pastors, more evangelists, more teachers, more church planners. Are you all listening to me? Come on, more pastors. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Well, I'm just glad that you're here. This is our Sunday morning main service. We're glad that you're here. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, I'm glad you're here this morning. 
Amen. Just in case I can't welcome you, I want everybody to be welcome. If you're new, also in the back, we have information there for you that's free. You can check us out online at metropraise.org as well. And then next Sunday, we have a special service that is going to be touching heaven, changing earth. Is anybody excited about some miracles showing up in this place? Come on, and today is going to be that training service. I'm going to train you to be a history maker, a world changer, and a roof breaker. You're going to learn that today. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get you all baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, what I like to call the boom shakalaka. So let's look at your neighbor and go boom shakalaka. See, there you go. You're getting ready right now. You're getting ready to speak in heavenly languages. But that next, sun, uh, next Sunday, the 26th, we're going to lay hands on everybody. Anybody who can believe God for a miracle, I want you to bring them. I want you to bring One-Eyed Willie who's asking for some money there under the overpass. I want you to bring them to get set free from drugs and alcohol. I want you to bring Cousin Flacco who's running with the, the disciples and the gangs. I want you to bring them here and get them saved. Amen. I want you to believe God for awesome things to happen. Everybody reach out your hand. Say, I'm going to touch heaven. And then now touch your neighbor. Say, I'm going to touch earth. Come on, touch somebody. We're going to touch earth. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. And then Wednesday, every Wednesday is Encounter Night. This is where we have Bible studies here for the adults. And then Children's Church in the back for the K through 5th. And we do Royal Rangers and Impact. It's like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. So I want you all to be a part of that. And then the last Wednesday of every month is a family fun night. And this one, August 29th, is going to be a back-to-school bash. Can somebody make some noise for that? Come on, we're going to give some free school supplies. So just think in your mind, we are just reaching this community. Do you know any parents that need school supplies? Could you use school supplies? Bring them out. And if you are good in the hood, find somebody that needs some help. I mean, let's just have an awesome time together. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. And then we got some Elevate. Every Friday night, Elevate Teenagers, junior high, high school, meeting with this handsome gentleman, our youth pastor. Let's give it up for Pastor Adam Nieves. Tell us what's going on Friday nights, my man. Amen, amen, amen. Actually, in the coming month of September, we're planning our back-to-school party, and we're going to blast it. The headline is going to be we're going to have a rapper. Um, I'm in the talks. I'm in the talks, you know, talking with a rapper, basically. And that's going to be it. So coming September, just keep on coming, find out good news. School is coming back, so we're going to be in the high schools. We're going to try to get school clubs. We're going to be on the school grounds, witnessing, reaching young people for Jesus. So exciting things coming that's up. That's awesome. Okay, so when is your back-to-school batch? What Friday? We August haven't said a date yet. We want okay. to do it with Wicker, so there's some things we're talking about. Okay, right on, right on, right on. Let's give it up for the youth group. Come on, doing good things. Going to come up with that date. I want to share with you guys the vision of Mitchell Praise. It's always been a hard seven years in the making. It hasn't changed. It just gets better and better. This is what Metro Praise is about. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. You don't have to do like searching on the internet. Here's what we're about. Loving God and loving people. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody point to heaven and go, God, I love you. Now point to a neighbor and say, I love you too. Come on, point to another neighbor and say, I love you more. Amen, amen. That is the vision of Metro Praise. Loving God, loving people, it will never change. What I love about Metro Praise is that you can come to Metro Praise uh, uh, in the past, as some have done. You can take a break, come back, and you'll still hear the same vision. So those of you who haven't been around for a while, you're still hearing the same thing. And if you're new today, you're like, this is cool. That's right. You're going to hear it until Jesus comes back. You come back next week, you're going to hear it again. You're going to hear it again. Why? Because that's what we're here to do. 
And some people love us for that. And some people hate us for that. You know what I'm saying? You can hate the player, but you got to respect the game. Y'all listen to me? You can hate the player, but you got to respect the game. This is what we're about right here. You can say, all those Metro Praise people, they're so crazy, they're so crazy. But you got to respect us on the streets, preaching the gospel, doing the same thing. you got to respect that. Can I, can I hear a witness? Amen. We're not the only ones, but that's what God called us to do. We want to connect you to the cross. Everybody say connect. Connect you to the cross through that born-again relationship. Mentor you with the cross. Somebody say mentor. Thank you. And then send you with the cross. Everybody say send. That is the goal of what Metro Praise is here to do. Starting with the connect phase, we believe you can do this best by joining a life group. Is anybody excited about life groups this morning? Come on. Life groups are awesome, man. Food, fun, and fellowship in somebody's home. You can call it a house party because that's where it's at. House parties meeting throughout the week. This is where you connect because you see here in the big show, the big crowd, you may not have somebody know your name or get everybody to, you know, to pray for you. But if you go to a Bible study, somebody there can know your name, get to know you intimately. You can be shy if you want. You don't have to share anything you don't feel comfortable with. But I guarantee you there will come a time in your life you're going to wish you had a prayer party. You're going to wish you had a prayer partner. That's where you find it, is at life groups. Come on, somebody say life groups. Thank you. And then at that life group, you can find a mentor who will then begin to disciple you one-on-one. I want everybody to look up here. This church, please, come on. This church promises you, you will have a mentor one-on-one in your life. Think about that promise. No matter how big we get, No matter how many tens of thousands, we want to go to 100,000. No matter how many are in this church, we will always promise you a one-on-one mentor. When you decide you want to grow spiritually, somebody here will take you through seven steps of spiritual growth. One-on-one, hear the questions of your heart, teach you the things of the Bible so that you can grow. Come on, somebody say, that's awesome. Amen. And then when you graduate from the 101, we have the 201 as a Sunday school that meets right now. This morning, it was meeting, going through the 201, and they were doing accountability. And as I walked in here at 9 o'clock, the class was dismissed. They were praying all over this church, being mentored in the things of God. And that's what God is asking you to do. So sometimes people ask me, they say, Pastor, can I be a part of Metro Praise but not do this? You can, but you won't stay very long. You're going to begin to feel convicted and uncomfortable because we didn't come to make Sunday morning churchgoers. We didn't come to have you just shout me down as a preacher or put something in the offering. We came here to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. We want to see you be who Jesus Christ called you to be. And I have to apologize. Listen to me, y'all. I have to apologize on behalf of so many churches that you've been to that have told you otherwise, that have said, oh, just God loves you the way you are. They never told you the other half, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Hello, somebody. See, I apologize for people just telling you, oh, God loves you just the way you are. You're so cute and all your sin and all your messed up, jacked up blood. He just loves you. See, I'm sorry that they haven't told you the other half, which is he loves you the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. He didn't say to Peter, Peter, you know what? You just stay all messed up, and I'm just going to have you hang around with me once a week. No, he said to Peter, the moment he met Peter, the day he saw him, he said, Peter, come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. It was always from the very beginning that he was going to be a disciple that makes disciples. We believe this vision is for 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches here, 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, would you stand to your feet and give God some praise and say let's do it
Amen. You may be seated. We are excited about what God is doing. Amen. That's why we give our tithe and offering to this church. Tithe is 10% of our income. Offering what we offer above that tithe. And we're going to prepare to receive that now. We're just going to ask that you would give your best unto God. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Because you see what this church is doing. Right now, we are supporting over 200 churches around the world. Right now, in the time of a recession, we're making up the lack that some are facing by raising extra monies in a building fund. Here's simply how it works, and I'm not going to speak on it long. If everybody gives their tithe right now, we won't have an issue with anything. But because some are not being faithful to their tithe, we have to raise extra monies. I want you to listen to me as I repeat that again. The Bible established that we would give 10% of our total income to the Lord. So that means if you made $1,000 this week, how much would you give the Lord? $100. Remember, the bills are paid in heaven, but he wants the bills paid down here. So how do we do that? We give to the storehouse, right? If the church gave its tithe, we would not need any extra money. Do you know how many on average, and this church may be above average, but you know on average, you can go to generousgiving.org. They have the stats there. Do you know how much on average the average Christian gives out of their income to the church? On average, 2%. 2%, okay? The average Christian giving to the church is only 2%. Is there any wonder that we can have blockbusters like the Hunger Games, like, you know, uh, the Hangover, all of these Transformers, Spider-Man, Batman? Is it any wonder that during the time of recession, these things can break records, and yet the church has to lay off people? Because we don't have necessarily a money problem, we have a heart problem. America still has not learned its lesson. America still puts fast food entertainment and even their pets before God. Do you know that on average the American household spends more on their pets than they do to the church? On average, on average. Why am I saying this to you? Because if you believe in a good church, we have to give and support that church. And God asks us to give 10%. So I want to ask everybody to be a tither. And then for those who can, would you give generously and commit to giving to our mission fund an extra $25 a month? That way we can do more overseas to the 200 churches that use our books and our materials that, that are translated in their language. And if you could, would you consider giving an additional $50 to the building fund so that as we pay $8,000 a week, uh, excuse me, $8,000 a month here for rent and, and repairs on our van, our minivan still is not able to get fixed because we can't afford the repairs, that we would see these things change until everybody does their part, until each of us carries the load that God's given us to carry. That's why he said 10% is across the board. So the millionaire, they give 10%. Bam, that's $100,000. That's great. And then the person today that just got an allowance for mowing a yard, that's what I used to do during the summer when I was a teenager, mow the yard, get 20 bucks. The person who puts in $2, tithe off their 20, and the one who ties off the million dollars, 100,000 in God's eyes are both the same. They're a tither. That's biblical. But when we don't tithe, that's when we have to come back to the same good people that have given their tithe. And now we have to say, man, would you give some offering too? Because the tithe alone ain't covering it. And that's where we're at right now. 
Would you pray that if you're not a tither, you would become one? And those who are already tithers, would you help carry the load of this ministry by giving extra offering? What does it come out to? The offering that we're asking, $75 extra a month, comes out to basically $2 a day. It's the difference between your cappuccino and this church continuing and what God called it to do. Let's ask God for the provision, for the vision. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you have called us to be givers so that you can give it back to us pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Lord, you have called us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. And so, Lord, I just ask for all those here to look at their heart and to consider what's been presented before them and without compulsion, without manipulation, Lord, for you to speak. And raise up a church of tithers, God. Raise up a church that percentage-wise all gives the same. And, Lord, through that, let it change how we do things. But until then, God, oh, Lord, I pray for generous givers to go above and beyond their tithe to an offering. Otherwise, we would have nothing extra for the missions. We would have nothing extra for the building, the repairs, things that we can't plan for. So, Lord, as you make hearts obedient, I pray that you continue to bless those who already are. And now, Lord, we pray for our nation that is in a time of turmoil. The debt is bringing a curse upon us, the corruption our mayor and his foolish words. God, we, we believe what your word says, that the, the righteous and their words uplift a city, but the wicked and their words tear down a city. So we ask for mercy and forgiveness for our mayor, Rahm Emanuel. You would forgive him. You would save him. You would cleanse his lips, oh, Father God, and change his heart. Oh, Father God, and then for our governor, for the politicians and Congress and Senate, and, Lord, for our president, Lord. We don't look to man. We look to you, God. And you could use Barack Obama right now, God, if you would humble himself. You could use, God, Biden. You could use, God, the cabinet if they would simply humble themselves under your mighty hand. So, Lord, we don't look to man. We look to you. And we ask you now to bless our children and our family to the third and fourth generation. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you stand to your feet and give God a hand clap of praise? Come on, we believe it and say amen. Amen. We believe it. Let's say what Jesus said through the Paul, Paul the Apostle, on the count of three about finances. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come forward as you give rejoicing? Thank you so much today. God bless you. He calls me friend. I am friend of God. I repent of God, oh yeah, I am, he calls me friends, he has a, oh I repent, yeah, I repent of God, I repent of God, he calls me friends. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 16? We're going to have an awesome service next week, but today's service is in preparation for that, and it's going to be equally as awesome. I want to prepare you for a time of miracles and signs and wonders. So often, we do not understand what God is doing in a service where the boom shakalaka comes. Let me define that word for you, first of all. Boom shakalaka comes from an old 80s song. Boom shakalaka shakalaka. Okay. Now, I use that as a reference 
to the power of God because I just think the power of God comes. It's like, boom, the power of God. It's like, boom, there it is. And then what do you do as a result? You speak in tongues. It's like, boom, shakalaka. You know, you get what I'm saying? So it's like the power of God is like, what? And then we're like, shakalaka. Okay, that's the way I describe it. Because a lot of us have gotten weird understandings about what is theologically known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that today. But if you hear me use that word, that phrase, the boom shakalaka, I am speaking to the theological doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that you'll understand that in an even greater way. And so today's service, what I specifically want to do is before next week when we lay hands on people, because we're going to lay hands on them and believe God for healing. We're going to lay hands on people and believe God for deliverance, casting out of demons. See, we believe in exorcisms. That's what the Catholic Church calls it, but we just call it casting out of demons. How many know there's some demons on this planet? How many know there's some forces of Satan? Amen. How many know somebody in their life that may have a demon? Come on, go find them. Bring them here. Now, today, I want you to study through this so that you just don't get caught up in the hype or in the signs and wonders. I want there to be a foundation for the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want us to be granola Christians, which are just fruits, nuts, and flakes. That when you come to a service and it's like, well, I feel Jesus. You know, people are falling out. Uh, somebody's laying on hands, you know, and it's just, you know, wild speaking in tongues. And there's no theological grounding. You don't know how to see it in the Bible. And all it looks like is you go to a crazy church. We are a crazy church for Jesus. We've lost our mind for Jesus. We're his fool. We just ask the world, whose fool are you? Right? Because we are a fool for Christ. Everybody's serving somebody. Hello. Let me just make a side note here before I get into this. Everybody is serving somebody. I went to see my next door neighbors. You know who they serve? They serve the God of hockey and the God of entertainment, football. That's what they serve, the God of hockey and football. That's what they serve. See, everybody's serving something, and what you give your time to, your attention to, your money to, your emotions to is who the God is of your life. You see, people come here, they don't want to shout and holler, and they'll sit back and go, well, I don't do this at my church. You know, this looks weird. And, you know, I'm not like that. And then they'll go to the Sox game, to the Cubs game. Come on, man, hit the home run. And then they'll hit a home run like, woo! Really? Guy took a piece of wood, hit a ball over a fence on a grass field, and that impresses you? I'm serving the God of the universe who made all of this you see here. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy of honor. I'll jump and shout for him. The phenomenon of sports and entertainment in our culture is new. My friends, just a little bit less than 75 years ago, none of this even existed in our culture. My great uncle played professional baseball for the Kansas City, uh, whatever, what team's in Kansas City? Royals, thank you. And he also played for Cincinnati Reds. He had to pay for his own bus ticket. Are y'all listening to me? You, you see, we, we have now started this phenomenon of idolatry. And the church is so just enamored by it. 
And I'm, I'm saying all of that to say, well, you come to a church that's actually excited. You come to a church that actually wants you to do something in the midweek and throughout your life. You begin to think, we're the weird ones. No, man, we're normal. You see, when, when, when somebody's got a fever, what do you normally do? You normally put your hand on yours and you kind of do this, right? And you see, people are so frozen, chosen right now. They're putting their hand on themselves, then touching us, going, whoa, y'all running a fever. You're what? No, because you're frozen, chosen, Bubba. You're in the ice cube chest. You are cold. Your heart is hard. We're just normal temperature here, baby. Normal temperature for Jesus seeks signs and wonders and miracles. Normal temperature for Jesus goes out and wins the loss at any cost. This is normal preaching right here. Look at your neighbor and say, he's normal. Come on. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Going to give some theological depth to why we believe in what we believe. Mark chapter 16, 15 through 20, as you're looking at it in the NIV, you may see in small writing above the paragraph that some of our oldest manuscripts do not contain this passage, that this is a variant passage. Now, I want to be honest in dealing with this so that if you go back and deal with some of our Baptist brothers and Reformed brothers that you would understand why I use this passage. The Markian passage here that is in question is not found in our two oldest Greek manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Viticanus. And these are our oldest that go back to around the mid-300s. But it is in the Alexandris. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Alexandrian, thank you, that it's around the 400s. And here's why we still believe it today. There's two options for those who believe it. Number one, either Mark wrote it and it was lost and it was placed back into these other manuscripts. So Mark wrote it and it was lost and it was placed back in. And hence there's some confusion to where, the, uh, where it's missing in the older manuscripts because Mark wrote it and it got lost. Okay, that's the first option. The second option is, is Mark did not write it. Mark ended at verse 9 because of whatever reason, either for persecution, being on the run, having to go to another location and he wasn't able to finish it. And someone finished it and placed it in there. Either way, the apostolic testimony for this scripture is verified by the church fathers to the point where they quote it continually all the way like from Irenaeus and the other church fathers to where now we can say this that it was held as scripture whether it was written directly by Mark or written by someone else and placed into the book of Mark now if you're looking at me crazy you must not have an NIV but how many have an NIV say amen now look at it right now and see if you see that little sentence. Do you see it there? It says some of the older manuscripts do not contain this, right? Well, I just explained to you why I still believe it to be valuable scripture unto us because I believe by the church father witness who did preserve the scriptures that it shows us that it is to be valued. Now, others may have different arguments. I wrote on this in a blog that I go further into different research into Stanley Horton and the work that he did on it. He was a Harvard graduate and is also a part of the Assemblies of God. And I go into more depth. If you want that blog, I will send it to you so you can see it. But I want you now to hear what we believe is the word of of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He said to them, starting in verse 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. How much creation should hear the good news? All creation. Thank you. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 16 has caused some confusion that people have taught that you have to be baptized and believe to be saved. But this is not true because the second part 
of the verse clarifies this, that the only ones that are condemned are the ones who don't believe. Meaning baptism is a work after salvation to show salvation, but it is not a work in salvation. Thus, that means if you're not baptized, you are not condemned. Only thing that will condemn you is lack of faith in Christ. Is everybody with me? Okay, so whoever believes and is baptized is saved, but belief is the heart of that salvation. The baptism is a response to that salvation, okay? Good theology there. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Now ask yourself this question, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, so Jesus talking to the disciples 2,000 years ago, he said, go and preach the gospel, evangelion in the Greek, the good news, go preach it to all creation, and this is the message, believe and then be baptized. If you disbelieve, you're going to hell, you're condemned. And he said, when you go out and do that, these signs or proofs, everybody say proof, somebody say evidence, come on, these proofs, these evidences, these signs shall follow. Those who believe. He didn't put a time on, a time limit. He didn't say, well, this will only follow the first apostolic age and those who believe. This will only follow the saints and those who are real spiritual. No, it said these signs will accompany those who believe. Those who believe in the first century, those who believe in the fifth century, those who believe in the tenth century, those who believe in the twenty-first century. It doesn't matter whatever you found yourself believing. The moment you believed in Christ, you could partake in these signs. Can I hear an amen? Amen. In my name, they will drive out demons. Yes, real. He says, in my name, you will cast out demons. You will drive them out. We believe in that sign is still with us today. Number two, they will speak in new tongues. Gosalalia in the, in the Greek. You will speak in an unlearned language. This, this applies for every bilingual, trilingual. It doesn't matter how many languages you have learned. When God fills you, you will speak in an unlearned language. It will be new to you. So it's not just getting filled with the Holy Spirit and then I start going, fuego, fuego, fuego. No, because I've learned that. I've learned fuego means fire. No, but it's speaking in other tongues. And do you know that when I was speaking in tongues with an Indian brother with me one time, that he said, you are speaking in one of our village languages and you are saying, fire of God, fire of God. See, that's a sign. See, y'all don't believe that. Come on now. Y'all call 1-900-CLEO and believe that, but you don't believe this? Y'all believe David Copperfield, but y'all don't believe this? This is the Bible right here. There has been two different instances, and I have witnesses. The Indian individual, his name is John Timothy. He's on Facebook, and he was with my wife, and he testified to my wife in front of his congregation, of his kids he had with his youth group. Did he not say that that's what happened? And you can ask him on Facebook, did Joe speak in tongues in your language? The second time that it happened with another Indian individual, I was with Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky. How many like Brother Boom Boom? You, you remember him from our uh, retreats. Brother Boom Boom remembers we were in the Bible college in, in our devotions, and we were speaking to a Baptist-believing Indian brother. See, God has a call on me for India. That's why I believe that my tongue can be interpreted and understood by them, though I've never learned it. When I was with them, uh, there was a couple of them. They were saying, we don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't know if it's for today, speaking in tongues, and et cetera. Well, we started praying together, and in that room, as I started praying, 
I just went and started speaking in tongues like God has given me new tongues. The man turned white-faced, one of the Indian brothers, ran out of the dorm room, ran out. Glenn followed him. And, and those of you from SUM, you've heard Glenn testify that this happened. Can I hear amen from the SUM students that were there in that chapel, Dion and some, some of the others? He runs out to find the Indian man, and he's like, what's going on? The Indian man said, that man, talking about me, is saying to me in my language, this is real. I, you know, God is saying, this is real. I want to give it to you, and you need to be open to receive it. I was speaking in his language the affirmation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And stories like this go on and on and on. Like I just mentioned, Stanley Horton, I was reading some of his work in Five Views of Sanctification, him, him talking about how his great-grandmother was speaking in Sweden and these different languages, she, Swedish, and these languages she had never learned. This is what the Bible's talking about. It's not always understood, but it can be for God's purposes. So casting out demons, speaking in new tongues. Now the next thing, verse 18, they will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them now we got some snakes in here and we're going to get down with it this morning no i'm kidding let me just tell you what this simply means what this means in their day snakes were natural problems that could come upon them paul was starting a fire the bible says that a snake was in the pile of woods jumped out of the fire and grabbed a hold of his hand poisonous snake he just whipped it off back into the fire the villagers thought he was going to die he didn't die and when he did not die from the poison they began to worship him as a god and said oh you, you know you must have power and all of this and he said no god is just upon me so what this was an evidence of, and I still believe it's an evidence today, is that the believer, the disciple, and especially the Christian preacher, the missionary, is indestructible, whether by natural things like snake, viper, or poison, which would be, uh, you know, trying to kill somebody. In it, we believe that they tried to poison John the Apostle, and they also tried to boil him alive, and neither one of them killed him. John the Apostle was not martyred, though they tried at least two different times to martyr him are you listening and so we believe what this is simply saying is as, as it says in other places you'll stomp on scorpions you will, you know you will not be hurt you know you will have the power over the enemy we believe that this means we are invincible until christ says it's time to go and we've heard stories like this by our missionaries there were missionaries that were smuggling bibles into russia and if they would have gotten caught they would have got arrested this was from a youth with a, with a mission i heard the testimony when i was speaking at a church and he was sharing his testimony as well there in new iberia louisiana ywam he says we were going into russia smuggling in bibles from you know europe over to russia and he said we had a way that we would cover them and we would have a way that when we would you know get stopped by the police there and the checkpoints that they wouldn't be able to find it because of how we, you know, hit it. He said, but there was a checkpoint that we came to that they went right to this spot in our car. They lifted up the cover. They opened up the box, and they literally were looking right at the Bibles. He said, but the man then just shut it up and moved, uh, moved them along and, and said, you guys can go. And this missionary was testifying that God had cast a blindness or cast a deterrent or gave a, gave a witness to this man as a Christian. Maybe he was a military folk uh, himself as a Russian Christian. Whatever it was, they were spared from being arrested when this man obviously knew the Bibles were right there.
There's other stories that when our missionaries have gone overseas, some of them have been caught by local villagers. Uh, David Hogan talks about different stories that they were taken and they are beating him. They are whipping him. Blood is trickling down his back. So there is an actual suffering that is happening. But while he is being beaten, he is not feeling any of the pain. And then his body recovers without any pain. There's actually stories of when the New Testament believer were being set on fire sometimes, that they were being engulfed in the flames. And as they were being engulfed in flames, their face shone like angels and they sung hymns unto God. And so what this simply means is that God can deliver us from pain, he can deliver us from trouble, and he can take us home to be with him whenever he wants and stop the enemy from doing it his way. That's how I perceive that. And then the last one, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Somebody say healing. So we believe in four things. We believe that we will speak in new tongues. We believe that we will drive out demons. We believe that we're invincible until Christ tells us that it's done and it's time for us to go from, you know, stop preaching. And then number four, we believe that God can heal the sick. Now look at verse 19. After the Lord had spoken this to them, he was taken up into heaven, sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached where? Come on, where did they preach? Everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Do we see all of these signs accompanying the disciples? Yes, we do. Like I said, even the poison in the viper, we see it accompanying the disciples. Does it still accompany disciples today? Is the Lord still working with his people? Okay, for the other half of you who are not saying yes, what do you think is holding God back then? If you don't believe it, then what, what, what's the problem? Has God changed? You see, for some of you who are either sleeping or not responding correctly, I want you to then evaluate your heart because I, I am not going to be naive today and believe that all of you still believe this. Maybe some of you actually are tired and you just ain't saying amen because you ain't paying attention. But I think there's honestly some of you here that aren't sure if you believe this. And I want you to ask yourself why. Why would God change? Why would God say to those first disciples in such a time that they were living that he would send them out with signs and now in our day and age that he would stop doing these things? You see, I have no good reason to believe that, friends. I have no good reason to believe that God has stopped doing signs and wonders. As a matter of fact, everywhere I check, God has continued to do signs and wonders, and I have seen them. God is still working with his word. I see, I, I just got so many testimonies in my heart right now. Just to share a few more, I'll do another one about the invincibility. One of my friends used to go to the inner city all the time. And also Chancellor No, the founder of our Bible college, tells a similar story. But it's not quite the same. But one of my friends was out preaching the gospel. A man pulled the gun on him, pulled the trigger, and yet the gun did not go off. The man then fell to his knees, and he said that as he tried to shoot my friend as he was preaching, that he saw an angel around him protect him, and then that gangbanger gave his life to Jesus. Chancellor tells a similar story where there was a man that was coming after him with a knife and he spoke the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God arrested the man and stopped him in his footsteps. I could keep you here all day with the stories. I can also tell stories about casting out demons. We have them on Facebook, YouTube videos of us casting out demons. Last time I was in India, we were preaching after the service. I had not touched anybody, prayed for anybody. There was no way that they could say I was manipulating the audience. 
But all of a sudden, a man started to scream and holler. And Adam and went and got the man. They brought the man to the fo- front. And he was screaming and hollering because he was demonized. And no one could stop him. And we started rebuking the spirits in Jesus' name. And the spirits left him. And he went down and kissed my feet and then stood up and started praising God. We've seen demons cast out here in America. We've seen sick people healed. There was one time that I was playing volleyball, and I had spiked the ball, and it was my fault, but it had injured a man, and he had a, a, a problem with his wrist, and he was supposed to have a brace on it, kind of like Ricky right now is supposed to have a brace on his shoulder, but he's taking it off because he wants to be macho today. But be careful with one of it. What shoulder is it? Your left? Amen. Be careful with his left shoulder. But just the same way. And this kid was out there, and he wasn't really supposed to be out there. He was supposed to have a brace on. And I spiked the ball, and he went to stop it. And all of a sudden, and Lauren was there, and you could see that it went out of place. And it started to throb, and there started to become great pain. Ishmael was there. And I felt so guilty. You know, by the way, Paul was preaching one time, and a man named Eutychus, uh, Paul preached so long and so late that a man named Eutychus fell asleep and fell out of a window. Okay, he was sleep- he was on the window seal. He's hearing him preach, and then pre- Paul keeps preaching, and, he- and-, and then he falls asleep, and then he falls out the window, and he dies. But Paul still went over there and raised him from the dead. So I just was inspired. I was like, hey, it's even my fault, you know, spiking the ball. But I'm going to pray, and you could see him in pain. Ah, ah. And there were some that are- that were there that were here are here today, and I didn't even touch him. I just placed my hand over that area, and I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name. And and he started to say, I feel fire. I feel heat. Look, look, I feel heat. And you could see the throbbing beginning to decrease. And you could see the throbbing going away. And he said, look, I am healed. I am healed. And I saw him at Ricky's house about six months later with his cousin. And I said, was that legitimate? Did God heal you? Did it ever come back? He said, it never came back. My wrist was healed better than it was that day because it was injured before him. God made my wrist like new. Testimony after testimony. Do you believe that? Okay, let's go now to the gifts of the Spirit, how they are applied to us today. Those four things, casting out devils, speaking in tongues, being invincible, and laying hands on the sick, are summarized by Paul the Apostle many years later after Jesus. And he teaches us here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, how to operate in these gifts. And he actually names other gifts. So now we're going to see a total of nine gifts that the believer can have as signs, as evidence of proof of God's power. Chapter uh, 12, verse 7. If you're there, can you say I'm there? All right, let's look at it. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To how many ones? Each one. I'm going to say it again. To how many ones? Each one, to each one, the manifestation or the sign or the evidence of the Spirit is given for the common good. So every one of you here who believe, like Jesus said in Mark 16, Paul is saying the same thing. You can be used by God to see miracles. You can see the manifestation of the Spirit. How many of you have ever been in service before and you felt the Spirit touch your emotions? Maybe you cried. Maybe you laughed. How many have ever felt like the goosebumps, you know, and you just, woo, the tinglies? How many know the Holy Spirit is more than just a tickler? How many know he's more than just a make you crier? Just, you know, make you cry a little bit. Here's the Holy Spirit. Dito, Dito Holy Spirit going to make you cry, make you feel bad. How many know he can do more than that? 
He's a powerful Holy Spirit. See, sometimes we look at the Holy Spirit as an it and not a person. He is a person. He has a mind, will, and emotions. He can be grieved. He will be grieved by your life, by bitterness, by things that the Bible says you can allow in your life. You can grieve him, and also you can please him. You can please the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Here's how it works. Come on, somebody say, teach me. Amen. Here it is. To the one is given the spirit of message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different types of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all of these are the work of one in the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So who determines how these operate? The Holy Spirit. So each one of us can have them, but he determines how they operate. So when we get into a service, the gift of healing might be on you. The gift of prophecy might be on another one of you. And then when we come into another service, I might now have the gift of healing. You might have the gift of word of wisdom of knowledge. The bottom line is when we are in the spirit, we are all trained and locked and loaded, ready Marines, and God just sends us to our different stations. Every one of you can be used in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I like to use the example of water because the Bible uses the example of water, of the Holy Spirit. How many know this water right here is, is, is pretty much harmless, you know? But how many know if we go to the Hoover Dam and you try to stand before that waterfall or that dam, that pressure, that, those, those, that, that water and those who build that dam are powering almost all of Las Vegas and all of the, you know, the places around there. Water has power. And it all determines on how that power is being used and being stimulated by the person having it. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will not work in your life. Or you can limit the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will just be a small source of power. Or you can allow the Holy Spirit to harness all of you, let him have his way in your life, and feel the full of the Holy Spirit. Are you all listening? All of these work one in the same spirit, and he gives to each one as just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We all have the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ and be used in these gifts. Nine spiritual gifts can be broken into three categories. This is review for some of you who remember our series on the gifts because we spent a whole series on this. This is also in our 201 book on the, in the chapter. Chapter 11, disciples are used in gifts of the Spirit. Disciple, oh, that's chapter 10, correct, uh, Jared? Chapter 10, thank you. Here's how we like to break down the nine gifts of the Spirit, three sets of three. The first set is the revelation gifts. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. These are the things that God is going to give to the believer to reveal things. The other group of three, the power gifts, God is going to use these to do things in his power. Faith for miracles, healings, and the working of his power. The third one, the inspiration gift, this is what God is going to do to inspire and encourage his people. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. I will put all these up on Facebook so that you can use these slides as reference, as reference notes in the future. Here are the definition of each nine of these spiritual gifts. Dr. Lester Sumrall wrote a great book on the spiritual gifts if you'd like to have a book that goes into depth. We also mentioned in that discipleship chapter. The message of wisdom is a supernatural insight about the future. 
So you as a believer can do what people are going to psychics to do. You can understand the future when God enables you to. I have had dreams, my wife has had dreams and visions that have brought messages of wisdom of the future to believers. We have seen things in the future, and God has performed and done those things. God can still do those things today, and he wants to do them through you. Remember back where we, we read Mark 16? These signs will follow those who believe. Then when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Now to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So now it's not just about what pastor can do next week. It's not like, okay, you know, Pastor Joe, Pastor Joe. You know, we're going to put all the sick people up here. I'm going to get my, you know, I'm going to wear a three-piece suit. I'm going to swoosh my hair back and talk like this. Hallelujah. And I'm going to start whipping around my jacket. And it's like, Pastor Joe, go. Go, Pastor Joe. Go, Pastor Joe. You know, it's not just about that. It's about all of us being used now, if you're not saved, you don't have the Spirit. You can't have the gifts of the Spirit. That's why you had to listen to what my wife was saying. If you have those gifts right now, you're getting them from a different spirit, a demonic spirit. Because demons can influence people. Demons cannot create future events, but they can influence future events and make those things happen in a certain way so it seems accurate. Give you an example. You can show up at a psychic and they can go, you're going to meet some dude named Mike and Mike's going to drop it like it's hot with you tonight and you're going to make love with him. Well, when you go to the club, that demon can then talk to the other demon of Mike and say, Mike, you go talk to that girl. And then demon can lead Mike into that young lady's life. And she'll say, oh, that person made this thing happen. No, the demons are just manipulating. They can't create. They can't inspire. They just manipulate. See, God creates. Are you listening? I wish I had time to just... Dis- Get all into this. I just don't have time. But there are other spirits doing other things. In the Bible, foretelling comes under the message of wisdom. The message of knowledge is a supernatural insight of someone's past and present. To know something about them that only they would know. So many times up at these altars, for example, there was someone that came last week and and there was a prayer worker praying for them and sharing things from their life. And I heard back from one of the relatives that they told uh, their their relative who brought them and said, why did you tell that person, the prayer worker, all about me? Because they knew all of these things. And that person was telling the relative, I didn't say anything to them. I don't even know that person. You see, because God knows. Hello? Some people say what stays in Ve- you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a devil's lie. God knows what happened in Vegas. Amen. Amen. Come on. Some men say, you know, what happens at 12 a.m. on my computer stays there. No, it don't. You can clear the cookies, you can enter, you can erase your history. God saw what happened there. Are y'all listening? Okay? God knows what's going on. So when you come around other Christians. They can be used in this gift. Number three, distinguishing of spirits, a supernatural insight of a spirit's origin. So when I'm in India and I hear this gentleman going, ah, I have three options now to discern, and God's going to give me the gift to know which one is what. That's man's spirit. That's him just acting a fool. Or maybe he has a mental illness, so it's man's origin. Number two, that's God speaking to him, and he's just excited about Jesus. Or number three, that's a demon. Are you all listening to me? You see, God helped me discern by the gift to know what that was. It was obviously not God. It, it just it messed with all of us. Our senses it just felt 
evil. So we knew it wasn't God, but we know men can eat, act evil. So was it this man putting on a show or was it really the devil? And within moments we realized he was out of control. He was like that man that was naked, breaking the chains by the tombs that Jesus met. You know, this was a demon-possessed man because the moment we set Jesus and started laying our hands on him, he got free and started weeping in the presence of God. Distinguishing of spirits. Number four, faith. A supernatural infilling of faith to accomplish a supernatural task. You see, God can give you the faith to work and operate in these miracles when it doesn't come natural to you. I remember one time I was driving to church, and we were hanging out, and we were on a highway, a freeway, going to Columbus, Ohio. I was going to see Rob Parsley preach, and I was going from Fort Wayne to Ohio, and we were right there in the city with the big roads, you know, like our I-90. I and the cars in front of me all of a sudden slammed on their brakes, and I'm going like 70 miles an hour. And I instantly, I mean, I was given the gift of faith. I just shouted out, Jesus, protect us. It was a gift that God gave me at that moment. And as I saw in my review mirrors, I slammed on my brakes. I watched in front of me. The car avoid hitting me, slam on its brakes. As it slammed on its brakes, it spinned out away from my car into the lane of the other car and caused the pileup. And you might say, Pastor, that ain't good for the other people. I know it ain't good for the other people, but you see, I'm favored by God. And when that moment happened, God wanted me to call out so that I could be protected in that moment. Does it always happen? No, it don't always happen. But when it does, it sure feels good. Sure feels good. And it was slow-mo like you see in the movies. It was Jesus protect us. And then at that moment, just you know, you just saw that whole thing orchestrate. And literally, after that car hit that car, hit the car in front of me, literally it was just like the Bible. Though destruction is all around me, it will not come near me. See? God can give you faith when you don't you don't know what else to do. Faith for miracles to react. To come back with faith when the devil comes to you with negativity. I wish I had time to apply this to every part of your life. But I pray that life groups this week will take it a little bit deeper. And that you will ask the Lord how this can apply to your life. But i got to teach it. Come on, let's go on to the next one. Five, healings. A supernatural healing of the physical, mental, or spiritual life. There are some sicknesses that are physical. There are some that are mental. And we should have compassion on those who are mental. One of the saddest things that people have done is misdiscern some mentally ill people and call them demon-possessed. Not every mentally ill person is demon-possessed. You see, I have a physical ailment where I need glasses to correct my vision. Well, as we've understand things about the brain, there are things in the brain that don't fire right. The neurons, you know, the, the synapses there may not fire right. It may cause different emotions. Tourette syndromes may cause, you know, certain kinds of bipolar and, and, and schizophrenia. And we don't want to label those people as demon-possessed. They just need healing of the mind. Are you all listening? So we have to discern. And then lastly, spiritual healing. How many know you need some spiritual healing? Amen. Sometimes, you know, people used to sing that song, sexual healing. Let me tell you, you don't need no sexual healing, baby. What you need is spiritual healing. Because you can make love all day and still be all jacked up going to hell. You get born again, you get changed. Amen. Well, I was born this way. Well, get born again, Jack. Come on, don't you look back. Oh, amen, just having fun. Number six, miraculous powers. 
God can do things that are just what we would term miraculous, not described by science or by the five senses. Things that go beyond our world, things that are metaphysical, miraculous powers. Though all of these things could be, deter- you know, be classified as miracles, I mean they're not of human origin. But what is specifically being referenced here is changing the natural order of things. There was one time in the Bible where Joshua was fighting, and God made the sun stand still, and and people. People are still trying to figure out how that could happen, and some don't want to believe it. But I believe that. Another time, the Bible talks about that when Moses stood at the Red Sea, the Red Sea split. How many know that's a miraculous power? Do you all believe that? Number seven, prophecy, a supernatural word that edifies, exhorts, and encourages. A lot of times we look to prophecy to be foretelling, but in the New Testament, the primary function of prophecy is to edify and encourage. The word of wisdom is to foretell. And so, so many times, well-intending Christians are giving prophecies of doom and gloom and calling this a word of the Lord, not always understanding that prophecy is mostly used to encourage. So if there is a doom in there, if there is a you're wrong, there should be, you know, a get right with God and encouragement. Prophecy should not just always be judgment. It should contain something to encourage. Number eight and number nine are linked together, tongues and interpretation. Remember, we mentioned that in Mark 16. Well, now we can actually pray for the interpretation that we ourselves don't know. And maybe it's not being used as a message because in Acts 2, what I was speaking of being understood by Indian people in Acts chapter 2, it says their tongues were understood by others. But Paul says there are times when no one understands, not the man speaking, nor the people in the audience. No one understands. He's speaking mysteries between he in God. Well, the Bible says that those times we should not try to speak these as languages to you, that it's better that I come with one English word than speaking a thousand tongues to you. But if I am up here speaking or you are in the congregation and God gives you a tongue, you can pray for the interpretation so that that tongue becomes understood. Now the interpreted tongue most of the times functions as a prophecy which is used to edify, exhort, or encourage. So when each time my tongue has either been interpreted by the person who hears it in their language or an unknown tongue by someone else, it is for their edification, their encouragement. Does everybody get this right here? Now, by the way, we are going to have Q&A here at the end. So I want you to write down any questions that may be coming to your mind right now because I am purposely leaving open a time of Q&A. And if some of you are embarrassed and you're a little shy, we'll just have you write it out and hand it to us and we'll read it for you so we can answer it today because I do not want you to walk out of here not understanding the Spirit. But here are now five questions that came to my mind that I thought would be helpful for you. The first question, does God still perform miracles? We answer a resounding yes. The belief that miracles don't exist is cessationism. It's the false belief that teaches either miracles in general general don't occur. That's the full-on belief. That's the belief of like uh, Warfield and some other theologians. Or that miracles can happen, but the gifts of healing, prophecy, and tongues are not for today. That's the classic position. And people like John MacArthur and and, uh, some of the more famous teachers today, like Daniel Wallace and others, believe this. And most of them use 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13 to, to uh, give proof text to their scripture, I mean, to, to their belief. And what 1 Corinthians 13, basically, uh, in verses 8 through 13 says is that tongues will cease. 
The word cease is where they get the word cessation. Is, uh, cessation. That's where it comes from. This is looking at my uh, professor today. Just love having him here, helping me out. And so what they do is they take the scripture. It says tongues will cease, prophecy will cease, but love will remain. How many, how many have ever heard that at a wedding? Okay, I don't have time to read it because I've I, I got to get through all this. But if you've heard it at a wedding, it says, you know, tongues will cease, prophecy will cease, knowledge will cease, but love will never cease. Okay? Those who believe in the full position of cessationism, they believe that God doesn't do any miracles. God does not show up in power at all upon this earth. B.B. Warfield believed that he has gone away to be with the Lord, and now he understands what miracles are happening on this earth. But when he was here, he taught that. Then there are others today, like most Baptists and others, they say the gifts of prophecy, healings, tongues, they're not for today. You shouldn't expect to have them, but God can still come whenever he wants to do a miracle. So the way you should pray for healing is like this. God, if you want to heal this person, then heal them. God, if you want to do something in this marriage, do something in this marriage. So everything comes with a question mark, God, if you want. We don't believe your gifts are here, but we believe if you want to, you still can. How do they correlate that then to chapter 13? Because it says when the perfect comes, these things will be done away with. And they take the word perfect there to be descriptive of the Bible. So in their mind, after the apostles wrote the Bible, there is now no more need for spiritual gifts because we have the Bible. The two problems that we see with that is, number one, where it says tongues will cease, prophecy will cease, it also says knowledge will cease. So today, are you walking around brain dead? No, so knowledge has not ceased, therefore the gifts have not ceased. The second thing, where they say when the perfect has come, we then won't need any of these things because we will see him without a, a cloudy glass. We will see him face to face. Well, that can only be referencing the resurrection. And so therefore, the perfect is not referring to the Bible, but to the resurrection. How do I know that? Because now that the Bible has come, I do not see Jesus face to face. Number one, we reject the idea of cessationism because knowledge and other things have not ceased. Number two, we believe that what is perfect is speaking of the resurrection. Paul also mentioned in Philippians, he says, though I am not perfect, this is what I do, forget what's behind me, go to what's in front of me. And what he was talking about obtaining at the end of his race was the resurrection, knowing the power of the resurrection. So you today can stand in full assurance that God's boom shakalaka is still upon this planet. And here's just a little short understanding, a little sentence to help you understand this. The man with an argument, or excuse me, the man with a testimony is never at the mercy with a man with an argument. Meaning you can make all the arguments you want, baby, but I've seen miracles. You can't change that. Oh, hallelujah. Almost want to speak in tongues right there. Number two, moving along quickly, why is there sickness, suffering, and physical imperfection? This is a big question. Why is suffering upon the earth? The simple answer is because of sin. Now, we could go into a long philosophical discussion on why God would allow sin, and I think William Lane Craig has done the best work on this, and what it basically says is that you can't create free will creatures without free will creatures having free will between good and evil. The, the, the good and evil choice was not God creating the evil. It was him giving a choice. And Augustine talked about this a little bit. And he said, wherever is the absence of light is darkness by default. And so the absence of light is sin. And when man chose not good, they chose evil. God did not have to create the evil, the wickedness, and all 
the hideous things we see here today, he gave them a choice. And when they came out of the light, they came into darkness, and death follows that darkness. To give you an illustration of this, imagine the umbrella of God protecting us from everything. If you step out of that umbrella, by default, now the rain comes and hits you. I don't have to send rain to you if the rain is already coming, by default, if you're not in a protected position. Now, some may say, how did the rain get there? How did the evil get there? Did God create it? No, this is where now we come to light. Where there is not light, there is darkness. God being so great, he allowed there to be a place in our heart and a place upon this world where we could be away from his light if we so chose. And when we stepped away from that light, we came into darkness. And that darkness is death, and that death brings sickness, suffering, and imperfections. And all of us today, as we were learning last week, still carry around this body of death. So I don't want you to look at sin in the personal sense that if you see somebody sick today, it is because of their personal sin. It is because of the sin of Adam and Eve. The curse of sin brought sickness and death to the human body. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And let me explain this even further. Am I born again? Yes. Where am I born again? In my soul and spirit. But has my body changed? No, my body remains the same. And if every one of you were to look at your body, we're all carrying around some form of sickness, some form of suffering, and some form of imperfection. For me personally, it's my eyes. Then I have psoriasis, you know, a dry skin condition of my scalp that I have to take antibiotic uh, to the actual scalp. All of us have imperfections of some sense. Why is this? Because the body is cursed because of sin. So when we look at the children who are sick, like Tisa, who was just praying, our, our friend that's a missionary to Mozambique, do we look at the child and do we say, the child has sin? No, we don't. Do we look to the parent and say, the parent has sin? No, but we say because of darkness, because of evil, sickness has come to all of us. Now, those we may see handicapped or those that we may see suffering, are they responsible for their sickness? Absolutely not. The Bible says we are not to judge them. There was a man that was sick one time, and all the Jewish people came to Jesus and said, why is this man sick? Because of his sin or his parents' sin? Do you understand? They had the idea that if you had a sickness, somehow you now were cursed. By the way, that is what Hindus believe. That's what karma believes. All these people you see in Hollywood going towards Hinduism, they think it's some great, beautiful religion. They have no idea how wicked Hinduism actually is. It teaches that your sick child, my sick relative, all sickness is a result of someone's previous life of sin. Do you understand that? And therefore, we should not have compassion on them. Why do you think there's so much poverty in India? It's because they feel that they're being punished. That's why they have leprosy. They're being punished. That's why they have, you know, scoliosis. That's why they have multiple sclerosis, all of these things. Having said that, what do we see today as sin in our life? Well, the Bible says, when you eat of the knowledge of tree of good and evil, you shall surely die. Well, we instantly saw sin take us out of our relationship with God. But what also began to happen is man's body began to die. He no longer could live forever. And the Bible says that man first would live upwards of almost a 1,000 years, 900 years. That's how long they lived because what God said was, I'm going to take off the hedge of protection now, and you're going to step into 
darkness. And for that battery life to run out of that body took about 900 years. But then by the time of Noah, he saw that people were using their 900 years for wickedness. Like how many of you are happy Hitler doesn't get to live 900 years? Stalin, all of these wicked child molesters. So when he cursed the world because of the flood, what he then said, men shall not live longer than 80 years. And then in the book of Psalms, it is now 70 years. So this is what I believe. I believe that every man will die at some time or another. Bible promises us that. But now we have into this time till 70 an opportunity, whatever sickness comes our way, as a result of the sin, the curse of sin from Adam and Eve, to pray for healing. So I want you to get this through your heart today. If there is a sickness in your body, whether it's my glasses or the medication I have to put for dry skin, you and I have the ability to ask God for healing. Now, I'm going to go to the next one, and we'll talk about how to get healing. Why doesn't everyone get healed? Have you ever thought about that? How many have ever prayed for healing and didn't see the healing come? Okay, those of you who are not raising your hands, either you're tired, you're not paying attention, or you didn't understand the question. I'm going to ask it again. How many of you ever prayed, Lord, make them better, make them get better, but they didn't get healed? We've all seen that, right? Now let's look to the reason why. The Bible only gives us one clear reason why we do not see sick people healed when we pray. It's lack of faith. Now you may say, Pastor, I think God's sovereignty plays a role in this, that when we pray, if God doesn't want to heal them, then they will not get healed. That may be true according to your experience. But that is not true according to the Bible. Let me help you understand this. When we as Christians come to the Bible, we cannot make the Bible try to fit our experience. We have to develop our theology around the teachings of the Bible. The Bible says in Psalms 107.20 that he sent his word and it healed their diseases. In 1 Peter 2.24, looking at the cross, it says because of the cross, our sicknesses are now healed in the present. And in Matthew 9.35, it says whenever Jesus ran into a sick person, the sick person would get healed. So what now is the difference? We are not operating as Jesus operated. Now you may say, Pastor, that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear, Pastor. I don't want to think that it has to do with our faith, my faith, your faith. I want to just say God is allowing my child to be sick, my grandpa, whoever to be sick, and I want to just say whenever God wills to change it, he can. Well, let me help you understand this. You can believe that, but you'll never see a miracle. Okay? Now let me help you understand. There's a difference between miracles and receiving healing. See, today I am receiving healing by these glasses. How many know pagans today, those who do not believe in Jesus, can put on glasses and, wow, there's a miracle they can see, right? But is that a miracle by God's standard? It is a healing by medical use. And medical uses and the practice of medicine, all good things, the Bible says, come from our Father in heaven. So we rejoice, even if the pagan or the non-believer doesn't understand where medicine and the knowledge of that comes from, we can rejoice in God, can't we? Okay? But have I received a miracle of healing in my eyes? I have astigmatism. So use me as the example. Before you walk out of here and judge yourself and judge others, judge me first of all. Okay, I'll be the pastor who puts myself up here. So here I am. It's like, it's physician, heal yourself, right? 
Now I have a choice. When I ask God and I say, God, heal me according to your word. You said I was healed. Restore these eyes. Open my eyes that when I, uh, you know, uh, heal these eyes that when I open them, I will see 2020. You know how many times I've prayed that way? But I don't see 2020 right now. But I want to believe that I can see 2020. Here's the difference between my faith and some of you here today. Some of you now want to say God doesn't want to heal me. That's what, you want, that's what you would want to say. You would say, well, then, Joe, you know, I know you, Joe. You're a man of faith. And if, if you've prayed and you're not healed, then it just must be God now. See, I can't believe that. Because every place I look in the Bible, he is my healer. He always heals. There is not one example where someone came to Jesus to be healed, and he said, no, it's not my will to heal you. So this is where now, and it's one of our 16 tenements of our faith, tenets of our faith, so don't think I just developed it. I believe that God always wants to heal. And specifically, I believe it's in those 70 years because he promised us 70 years. And so after that, this is where I believe we can now say to God, God, they've lived 70 years. If it's your will, heal them or take them home, Lord, because they've lived the life that you, the length that you've promised, according to David. Now, some of you may not feel comfortable with that. Well, then here's what I say to you. If you do not feel comfortable with that, then just seek medicine. And I don't say that to be harsh. Just seek medicine. Because the only way, Hebrews chapter 11, the only way you can come to God and expect a miracle is if you believe he can do miracles. And if you come to God saying, God, I'm not sure you're going to heal so-and-so. I'm just asking. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. You'll never run into any preacher, any evangelist from this country to the countries of the world to people like Smith Wigglesworth, Amy Simple McPherson, all those in the past. You'll never meet any person that's ever seen the healing, the miracle, have prayed like that. When people pray, Smith Wigglesworth, when he saw miracles, he said, be healed in Jesus' name. In his heart, there was no doubt God wants to heal. He's not asking. He's calling it out right now. When Oral Roberts would pray, it would not be God if you're willing. It's God heal. God is always willing. God wants to heal. Now, once again, if you cannot wrap your mind around that, or if you pray and you don't see a healing, you're going to now get bitter at God and make that as a test of God's love for you. You can't get a miracle. God will not do it. But for those who want a miracle, you must believe God wants to do it. And so what do I teach people that have ailments? Oh, my goodness. We've seen more people not get healed than do get healed. We've seen more people stay in the wheelchairs. But let me ask you a question. Is it worth it for the one person who gets out of the wheelchair? Okay, let's talk about this and just, you know, I'm already going late, so give me another half hour. Come on, baby. No, I'm just kidding. Just give me a few minutes here. Watch. When, when we have that service next Sunday and somebody comes in a wheelchair and we pray for them, we say, be healed. Let's say they don't get out of the wheelchair. But let's say we go to the next one and we say, be healed. And they get out of the wheelchair. Was it worth praying for this one to get to that one? 
See, until we can walk like Jesus, and by the way, all the people of the Bible fell short in this. See, look at a batting average. Batting a thousand means every time you get up, you get on base. Most of them can't even get half that. If you were even batting a 500, they would think you were taking steroids or something. Most great batters are somewhere in the 300. That means 300 out of a thousand times, or 30 out of 100, they're hitting the ball, getting on base. That means the other 70 times, they're not getting on base. Some of our batting averages may be like one out of 10 person we pray for get healed so is it worth you continuing to pray now if you can't do it listen to me if you can't do it with the right heart parent if you can't do it with the right heart to your child i pray for healing one of my professors in bible college adopted a child born to a crack family has never been able that the child is, his name is christopher has never been able to stretch out his arms he's 22 years old he lives in what looks like a baby crib and has diapers on but they still pray every day lord heal him you see, because if you cannot do that, then don't ask for it. But if you come asking, you've got to believe he can do it. And so that's the way I do it. I say, you know what? I would rather people think I'm crazy. I would rather, you know, a hundred of you not get healed and see two of you get healed. I would rather do that than just, just say, hey, I'm not sure if he wants to do it. Because I've seen throughout history and in my own life, as I begin to operate more in faith, as I begin to understand him more, as I go to other countries who are pressed because of their circumstances to get more hungry, we see more miracles. And so it cannot be on God's side. It must be here. That's what I believe. I'm going to give you a chance to ask a question if you want to. Number four, can every believer ask for the gifts of the Spirit and, and operate in them? Some people don't think that all the gifts are for them. And we believe yes. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says earnestly seek the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. He commanded that we could all do it. So everybody here, if you're born again, get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues and let the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through you. And that's question number five is, why is speaking in tongues so important to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? And the reason why we believe that it's so important is because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the endowment of power. Acts 1, 8 and 2, 1 through 4 describe this being the initiation into the gifts of the Spirit. Bertle quickly run some pieces of paper around in pens. If you have a question you want to write down, you're not going to want to get on the mic, raise up your hand quickly. He'll do it right now. If you're going to want to get on the mic, we'll let you get on the mic because we we'll want to have it for the camera. And don't be shy. Uh, Lauren, would you come, please, to the keyboard? This is a preparation service. I want you to be ready for next week. Some of you might be confused and have more questions than you ever thought you would have. I want you to be ready. You don't have to ask a question. I'm just giving out a piece of papers if you want to. Okay, let's just review what we learned today. I thought I could do this by 12, uh, by 11.45. I'm only running about 20 minutes late. And I felt like I talked so fast. Sometimes I feel like when I talk faster, it really doesn't help because I just say more and I just go longer. Okay, let's review what we learned today. I don't want to preach so, so good that you don't get the information. Oh, you preach good. What do you talk about? I don't know. I want to teach so good. You can go home today and remember this by the power of Jesus. We started off in Mark 16. Touching heaven, changing earth is the idea of what we're learning, right? We're going to touch heaven and change earth. Something from heaven is going to touch us, and then that will go through us. And we look to Jesus. Would he ever do you wrong? Okay. 
I've given you a lot to think about, but the question is, would Jesus ever do you wrong? Well, this is what he told you to do. You got to take it up with him if you don't want to do it. What did he tell you to do? Go preach the good news to all creation. Does he want our youth to do that? Hello? Does he want our youth to do that? Does he want adults to do that? Does he want senior saints to do that? And then he said there's supposed to be some signs following us, right? Going to cast out demons, speak with new tongues, be invincible, lay hands on the sick. Okay? And it says they went out and did that, right? See, really, your belief about miracles really forms how you believe God, what you believe about God. See, if you don't believe God is doing or, or you know, doing it right now, chances are you really don't believe he did it back then. You're just here out of convenience, meaning the Christian church is the one giving the best buffet today. But tomorrow you might be at the Roman Catholic buffet, and next week you might be at somebody else, you know, the Hindu buffet, and you're just out of here because maybe your parents were Christian. This is more convenient for you. But when we really hold your feet to the fire, you might say, I'm not sure if that stuff was really going down. They may not have understood, you know, demons might have just been mentally ill people. Jesus might have been slipping them some medication. I've heard all this. Liberal theology, you know. Maybe they weren't really sick. You know, maybe Jesus, you know, he was a massage therapist. He rubbed the eyes, you know. There's the things they're leaving out, you know. Technology to uninformed people always looked like magic. You know, there's an airplane they can fly because they don't understand. There's engine there, you know, so so God is healing through, uh, Jesus is using uh, you know, medicine, but they attribute it to God I mean, it, are these the doubts you're doubting? Are these the doubts you're having, rather? Because I would like to encourage you to doubt your doubts I want you to doubt your doubts today, what makes your doubts so real? Doubt your doubts You know, you may say, man, I doubt that happened Well, I doubt your doubt. I'm serious. Sometimes when you have doubts, you just, you know, does God really want to heal me? I doubt God wants to heal. I doubt God wants to do this. You know, sometimes you just need to say after all that, I doubt it. You need to doubt your doubts. Did God do it? And did he send his disciples to do it? Okay. Then Paul, a couple years later, about 20, 30 years later, he writes to these guys in Corinth. They're not any different than you, are they? People have been people, right? As a matter of fact, when you study out the book of Corinthians, there's actually more problems in their church than in any other church. They're so messed up. One man is sleeping with his stepmom. His mom uh, his mom died and his dad remarried a woman. Now the son starts having an affair with that woman. He starts having an affair with his stepmom. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that's what happened. Am I telling the truth? Come on, professor. That's right. It's whacked out, but it's right, though. It happened. It happened. Are you having an affair with your stepmom? Hey, let's be real. So so we're not as bad. I don't want us to get a false sense of judgment, but I want us to it, help us understand this. They were not better than us, were they? They were a congregation that had some pretty wicked people in it. Now, if we went around here and started telling our stories, we'd be, pretty wicked as well. You know what I'm saying? Come on. 
But they had to get right. He told them, kick that person out, get right with God. But then he says, now this is how I want you to operate in the gifts. Can you do this? By God's Spirit, can you have a message of wisdom? Can you have a message of knowledge? Gifts of healing, faith, can you do this? I want to ask you, is God's Spirit willing to do this? Do you want Him to do it in you? If you don't, there's ten more churches down the road that will be happy not to do it either. I'm going to say that again. If you don't want to, there's ten other churches that don't want to either. Right? Hey, I'm not sure about this speaking in tongues stuff and operating in miracles and believing God can change the world. I just kind of want to be a lump on a log and stay the way I am. Oh, yeah, I'll give you five brochures. There's a pastor right down the road, Lump on the Log Ministries. He don't care. Just show up, say amen, drop something in the offering. You're all right. But this church actually expects you to do something, don't we? We actually expect you to be a disciple, and we don't judge you on your past. Jesus didn't. So what's holding you back? Well, it's my doubt. Well, go back in a circle. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Doubts bring destruction, but faith brings life. Go back to the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God will bring you faith. Read His Word. Put that over your doubts and fears. That's what he said. Do I always do it perfectly? No, but I want to believe, my friends, that these are available. I wish I had time to pass her on the mic. I really don't. Did anybody ask questions on the piece of paper? Just grab them quickly. Okay, guys, grab some of these questions. Let me go through them. And then we're going to pray today that you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray today you get boom shakalaka in the power of God. And listen to me. Don't be so sophisticated that you miss the power of God. Try to figure it out. Listen, let's just believe God can do it. Well, pastor, what if he didn't heal my, my, my life or my child or my brother? My, come up again. Pray again. Pray again. Well, I don't feel like I want to pray. Well, then don't. Don't. You'll get, a, you'll get more miracles when you pray than when you don't pray. Isn't that what Grandpa Ron said? Okay, if you don't want a miracle, then don't pray for a miracle. But could God do a miracle? Did he say he wants to do miracles? Yes, quickly, guys. I need at least one to get started. Run it up here, Jared. Come on. Thank you. Let me go through these quickly right here. I missed 9 through 10 for the list. That was 1 through 10. Okay, that made absolutely no sense. If anybody wants to clarify that, give that back to whoever that was. Will I know when I am ready to speak in tongues? Yes, you are ready now. You are ready now. That's how you know, your pastor said. No, I'm just kidding. Um... You will know you're ready to speak in tongues when you hear the utterance, as the Bible calls it, an utterance, a sound, as you hear the sound of God's voice in other ways. Meaning, have you ever heard God speak to you? Okay, If you've heard God speak to you, I love you, I care about you, what he's doing is he's speaking from his spirit to your spirit to your mind. That's why the voice of God for most of us always sounds like our own voice. And that's why it's hard for us to discern what is God's thoughts and our thoughts. Our spirit and soul is like that antenna. And so what gets picked up by that, that spiritual wavelength comes to us as thoughts. Some come from the devil because he can come onto that antenna as well. Some come from God and some come from us. That is learning to be mature is to understand what is from God, what is from me. Okay? 
Like, for example, there's a guy that may have been up at this altar today, and he was raising his hand with one eye open, and he was looking at the hottie next to him, and he was saying, oh, Lord, I know that's my wife. Look at her praising Jesus. You know, and then after the service, that single guy walks up to that single woman and goes, the Lord told me, baby, we're supposed to get married. And she says, the Lord told me to slap you. So the Lord, thus saith the Lord, I slappeth thee. Okay. What, what chances are that was not the Lord, that was the guy's mind. That was his, his own thought, right? But there are other times, like when I was with my wife, it wasn't just me. God said, that's your wife. So I have to learn to discern. Well, speaking in tongues is the same way. We're going to speak a language we have not learned. So how do we hear it? We hear it in our spirit. We hear it in our spirit. You will hear a melody, a sound, a rhythm, syllables, and thus you speak them out. God will not wag your tongue. He won't force you like you're like about ready to puke. Like he's just pushing it out through you. And you're like, I feel so much better now. Glad I did that. It's not going to feel like spiritual puking or God waving your tongue around. And we're not going to trick you and go like, Hyundai bought a Toyota Shonda. How do they do that? They have a little rhyme that Pentecostal preachers used to give you like, I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Hyundai. And you're supposed to say it real. Is there such car as a Hyundai? And there's a Honda, right? Okay, so it's like, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Hyundai. And you're supposed to say it really fast. You're supposed to like, keep going, keep going, blah, 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 blah. And then you start speaking in tongues, you know? You will know you're ready when there is an unction. Just like God moving in other ways, he will give you the sounds and syllables. Does that make sense to anybody here that's already spoken tongues? Is that how it happened for you? Okay, some, some of you had that unction. That's how it was for me. I heard a sound of a language I had not learned as a thought, and I started to speak it out. And as I did, I was releasing the power. I don't always speak in the same tongue. By memory now, I know that tongue, but God can at times give me a new tongue when I'm sensitive to the Spirit. That's to answer some of your questions of why you think you've been speaking in the same tongue. It's because your memory is pretty smart. Like, you, you, you remember those syllables. And a lot of us get stuck on the ones that start with shh, shh. You know, the, you know so it's like the, the S sounds, the S sounds. If, you're, if you hear most people speak in tongues, it's starting with that. Because that's where you found a comfort zone and what God was doing through you. But he can do other sounds. He can do other languages. And you can be sensitive to those as well. Believing and speaking in tongues comes hard to me. Can you break it down a little bit more? I think I did. Hopefully that helped you out. Uh, by the way, it's in both of our books, the 101 and the 201. Will God ever help my mom get a job? Yes, God can help your mom get a job. That's totally, that's not necessarily a miracle uh, that we're talking about. It's a different kind of miracle. But yes, God can perform that. God can do that. How many believe God can answer prayers? Amen. There have been people who do not speak in tongues but have prophesied. Do you think they, they lied? Since you said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gateway to prophecy. Okay, that's a good question. Uh, somebody was saying that, uh, and I'm summarizing here, that there have been Christians that have prophesied but necessarily did not speak in tongues. I would say they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they've probably spoken tongues and have not known it. Meaning, when we look back in church history, 
we haven't always defined Pentecostal doctrine as well as we do right now. And people like John Wesley and others like them, I believe were groaning in the spirit. They mentioned these times of ecstasy. And so I would, I would believe they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and just did not know it. I could be wrong and the tongues not be the gateway either I'm, I, as well. Uh, but I do believe tongues is the gateway to the nine gifts and so how I would explain that because there's also been people that have prayed for healing, different things. I think that they just were not informed of it and as they get taught more, they would understand what's going on the inside of them. Uh, that's what I personally would believe about that. What if I don't speak in tongues? You need to speak in tongues. So start speaking in tongues. What if you do speak in tongues? What are you going to do then? Come on, I'm serious. Like, you know, I, how can I, my faith increase? Believe what I've told you. Believe, believe that it's for you today. Now, if your question is, what if I don't speak in tongues today? Then I would say, do you want to speak in tongues tonight? Go home and study. Brother Berto got baptized all by himself. Where were you at, brother? In his bedroom. What if I don't speak in tongues tonight? Well, do you want to speak in tongues tomorrow? See, that would be my question. Do you want to actively pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's what I would ask you. And how can you increase your faith? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, that faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Go through this message again. Read all the scriptures again. Read the books of those who are operating the gifts of the Spirit. Would you want to, let me ask you a question. Would you want to read a cookbook by somebody that can't cook? Somebody like me, would you want to read my cookbook? No. Okay. Would you want to learn about basketball from somebody who can't play basketball? Okay, listen. Don't go increase your doubt by listening to people who don't speak in tongues, don't do all that. Get books by people who've seen miracles, who have spoken in tongues. Get Smith Wigglesworth's book on ever-increasing faith. He was a man that operated in great miracles. Learn from him. Read Oral Roberts' books. Read different books to understand how we have done it. Get involved in discipleship. That's how you increase your faith, by the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? How many already speak in tongues? Can I see some hands waving right now? If you speak in tongues, I just see you go like this right now, like that's your tongue speaking in tongues right now. Come on. See, there's a lot of tongue talkers in here. By the way, do you know that this version of Christianity, speaking in tongues, grows eight times faster than the rate of birth? We are the largest religion in Christianity. Out of all Christian branches, we are the largest other than Catholicism. So all Protestantism, we are the biggest. And by the way, within my lifetime, we will probably surpass Catholicism as being the biggest. And this right now, what you're seeing here, is what's taking over China. We have, we have uh, believers in China that will share that with you. And what is holding back Islam in the African nation right now. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders of God. If you want to know what happened to Nigeria and how it changed and got rocked, we have a word for it. They got bonkified because Reinhard Bonnke went in there and dropped it like it's hot. Jared, will you find the Reinhard Bonnke altar call, largest one that's ever been known to man? Two million people came, one million got saved. They have it on video. And there's one of the videos that while they're all praying, you can hear the people on stage speaking in tongues. I love showing that to my Baptist brethren. Amen. Because too many people are impressed with Joel Osteen, 40,000. You need to get bonkified, 2 million. Amen. This is what's rocking the nations right now. Amen. And Paul spoke in tongues. And is anybody here smarter than Paul? Because a lot of people say, well, John MacArthur don't speak in tongues. Listen to me. You ain't reading John MacArthur's books, and you ain't going to John MacArthur's heaven. You're reading Jesus' book, and you're going to Jesus' heaven, and all his disciples, they spoke in tongues. 
Amen. That's just all for my Piper and Paul Washer and all you guys who are getting baptized. You need to get you need to get Pentecostal. You need to get Baptistal. Amen. So, you know, and I understand why a lot of people hanging out with the Baptists because they seem more normal. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the rappers and all they're more normal. We're crazy. That's okay. But I'm telling you, this is what's changing the world. And I love some Baptist folk. Amen. I got nothing against them. I ain't got nothing against them. They just need to become Baptistal. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says um, that not everybody does each one, but God determines. That's what I'm trying to share with you is that you are available. Here's the, let me summarize the question. According to 1 Corinthians 12.11, some people will say maybe all the gifts are not for every person. Maybe only God will give some of the gifts to some people. As you study that further, you will understand that is not what the context is. The context is we are all able to have them all, but he gives them for usage as he wants. There's a big difference, okay? Some people think, well, I don't have the gift of tongues. That's not for me. Okay, you know who always says that? It's people who don't have the gift of tongues. Think about that. They don't have the gift of tongues, and they're saying, I don't have the gift of tongues. It's not for me. And then have you ever noticed that everybody who has the gift of tongues is trying to tell everybody you can have the gift of tongues. Do you know why? Because they have the gift of tongues. It's, it's really not confusing. If you'll get it in your brain to understand, if I got it, you can get it. You don't have it, and you're trying to tell me that I shouldn't have it. That's stupid. Or you're trying to tell me now that I can have it, but you can't have it. I'm the one that has it. Let me tell you how it works. You can have it. They try to say you can't have them all. No, what it's saying is you can't control them all. You can't determine them all. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I do believe, is different from the operating there of tongues with interpretation, meaning this. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says they all were filled and they all spoke in tongues. In Cornelius' house, they all were filled and they all spoke in tongues. When he met John's disciples, Paul, in Acts 17, they all were filled and all spoke in tongues. So that's why we not only believe in nine spiritual gifts, but we believe that the initial evidence that I'm in the spiritual world now is speaking in tongues. That is the pattern. And then we read throughout like Ephesians and then in Jude that this praying in tongues is to be done continually. And even Paul mentions it in 14. He says, I pray with my spirit and I pray with my mind. I sing with my spirit and I sing with my mind. So there's really this understanding that the believer now has this spiritual language, this gift that they can use at all times. And, and Jude says, pray in the spirit, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Okay? And this is all in the books, by the way. I'm glad I'm getting a lot of questions that we have all answered in our books already. This one was written in Spanish. Thank you for whoever translated it for me. What happens to people who don't get... Now I need a translation of this English word here. Berto, can you help me with that? How do I know it's God and I'm not... Uh, thinking about what I've heard around me. Okay, this is a good question. So you're speaking in tongues, and I'm going, boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka. And then I'm like, you get filled with tongues, and you're like, boom, shakalaka, boom, shakalaka. Let's go do what everybody else is doing. I don't want to be weird. Isn't that just weird that it's weird? Let's just think about that real quick. There's places where if one person spoke in tongues, like that would be the weirdy. 
Like, oh, did you hear them speaking in tongues? Like here, if you're not speaking in tongues, it's almost like there's the weirdy, okay? And I don't want you to feel bad. I'm just kidding. But isn't that something? It's like everybody's speaking in tongues all around me. It's weird if I don't. I just love that. It's like we love speaking in tongues that much because we love it. Paul says he loved it. Uh, that's a good question, you know. Um, the sounds of heaven. That's really what we're asking right now. Is what is what does heaven sound like? First of all, does heaven speak English? I don't think God's walking around in heaven going, Que paso, angels? Que onda? Or what's going on, man? Like, chances are there's languages up there we know not. Are you understanding? So when I start hearing others speak in tongues, I don't want to imitate those tongues. But if my tongue sounds like their tongues, well, maybe... Maybe they're from the same area up in heaven. Maybe those angels have been hanging out together because the Bible actually calls it tongues of angels. For some of you who have not read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 or have started our 101, this is probably very far out for you. For those who have already gone through our 101 lesson, it's in chapter 6, and who have read these passages, hopefully this is making more sense. But I would say don't worry about it. Make sure it's being in your heart, though. Make sure it's in your heart. Okay? What happens to people who don't get healed? Do we keep praying? That is the point. Yes. Guys, he, he, here, here's good news. If you don't want to pray for healing, you don't have to. Does everybody understand that? Okay. Well, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed and they don't get healed and I want to feel like I wasted my time and I shouldn't have prayed? Well, then don't pray then. Does everybody get that? You see how much sense that makes? Then don't pray. If, if you're going to come to this like a pity patty party, a little wine, never want wine, like a little whiner, then don't pray. Just be happy you're going to heaven. Go to the doctor with your sniffles. Get a pair of glasses, whatever, and just be satisfied. Just go on in life and be you. God allows you to do that. You don't have to get out and get a miracle. But for those of you who want miracles... This is how it's got to be. You've got to believe God exists and he rewards those who diligently seek after him. What if they don't get healed? In your mind, as seeking a miracle, that means I pray again. Do I hold it against God? Do I try to fast 40 days and prove it to God that I have faith? Do, do I manipulate God and buy miracles from televangelists? No. This is what you do. You go back to God and you say, God, I'm asking you again. You get other prayer workers with you so you don't feel so bad. They're like, oh, it's my faith. It's my faith. Well, if I lay hands on them and they don't get healed, now it's my faith. And then it's your faith. And we're all still believing. But this is the one thing you can always guarantee about me. I'll meet you up here in your faith at any time, baby. And I'll believe God with you for your miracle. And to not have you make yourself feel bad, I'll take full responsibility if we don't see the miracle. Why? Because when Jesus was in town, everybody got healed. I'll just say, Lord, increase my faith. See, if you can't do it, then I'll do it. But I would encourage you to just settle it in your mind. God wants to heal. Healing comes by faith. And I can ask him to heal over and over and over again until I see that healing. And remember, your chances of seeing a miracle are greater when you pray than when you don't pray. And a miracle is not just healing, so get that in your mind. Doctors can do this for me. So I can have the choice right now. I can say, God, do it. And if he doesn't do it, I can get mad at him. I can shake my fist and say, maybe it's his will for me to be half blind. Or I can just say, God, increase my faith. You know, people in the Bible encouraged us to do that. 
people in the Bible, Jesus, increase our faith, increase our faith. And then Jesus said, if you had faith just the size of a mustard seed. I think so much in our American culture, we have lost uh, the real heart of God towards miracles. We, we, you know, I gave you all these questions and answers, and for some of you, it's still not enough, and you, you know, you still want to go on and go on, and I just feel like you will talk yourself out of a miracle. We're in a third world country today. If I say, man, we're going to pray for cancer patients, they're coming running up to the front going, I'm going to get healed. And that's why do you think miracles happen more over there than they do here? And then for some of you with missing limbs and, and bad backs, do you know when Jesus helped people, healed people of leprosy? Have you ever seen leprosy? It eats away your bones and your fingers. There's people right now that are in our day and age that have had limbs grow back. Do you know that in Azusa Street, there's a story about a farmer who had lost his arm, and they were praying for him, and they watched his arm grow out right in front of them? Do you read your Bible, friends? The Bible says there was a man lame from the day he was born, and he was set at the pool of Bethesda every day of his life, sat there to beg. What do you think he looked like? What, what do you think a crippled person from birth looks like? And Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And he got healed. He healed and cleansed leprosy. I'm, I'm I mean... I know some of you, you trust me as your pastor, but I feel, I feel some of you look to me too much. You need to look to Jesus. My friends, if I died today in a car accident, this Bible is still the same. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry other pastors haven't taken the time to explain it to you. I do. I mean it. I'm sorry. But you got to go back to your Bible. Is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe he did it? Do you believe those disciples did I mean, do you believe, friends? I can only encourage you by what he said. Don't believe it because I said it and took an extra half hour, which I actually did, in your service today. Don't do it because I said it, friends. Go back home and experience it. Amen? Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. Come on, altar workers, would you come forward? Would you put that video up for us, brother? Would you see an altar call here? Would you see one of glory here? Come on. Put this up here for me, please. Of revival right here going on in Nigeria. I want you to see this. Come on, look at this. Miracles. Now there's another video with them on stage speaking in tongues of the same thing because they had the microphones on the stage as well as the crowd. Look at that. Over two million people in attendance. That's the that's what we call getting bonkified. You understand what I'm saying? That's people coming for the power of God. Come on, somebody. Can God do that? Thank you, my brother. Do me a favor and put up that slide I have of receiving the spirit of Pentecost, please, and close it. Man, would you come? Today, don't leave out of here without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Start today by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever spoken tongues? Have you been filled with God's power? 
I want to encourage you to do that today. Would you close your eyes and just search your heart right now? you got to be saved to receive it, obviously. So if you're not saved, get saved right now. Ask Jesus to make you new. Ask Jesus to make you new right now. Come on, every head bowed and eyes closed. Jesus, save the lost right now. Number two, if you're saved but you're living a life of sin, you need to be sanctified. Your heart needs to be cleansed. Right now, just repent of sin in your life. The believer who has sin in their life will resist the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who may not have sin in your life, but you have doubt to whether or not the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you, confess your doubts to the Lord right now. Confess that doubt to God. Say, Lord, I doubt this, but I ask you to cleanse me of doubt. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come on, speak the word. I need the band just to come up a little bit. I need some help today. Come on, some of you are sleeping. I know I went a little long, but I need you to get intense right now. The band's going to help you, but you have got to help yourself in that sense. You have got to want to get filled. Are you saved? Are you sanctified? And have you been set free from your doubt? Come on, if that's you right now and you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, come to the front right now. Come on to the front right now in Jesus' name. Those who need to be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, come quickly. Jesus is here. Come on. Those who want to get filled, they're going to pray for you right now to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. I think we need some other lady prayer workers. Let's get some more of the 201. Monique, I don't know why you're not up here. Come on, I need some women prayer workers. Griselda, quickly. Come on, spread out across the front. Ladies, quickly, I see some ladies back there. If you want to be baptized, come find a lady prayer worker. They're going to start to pray with you. We don't want to be rude, but if you have to go, you're dismissed. But this service is going to go on for a little bit right now. And I would just adjure you to stay as long as you can, because we're going to get filled right now. A few more minutes for you to come up, and then we're going to start praying. Some are already praying, but I'm going to pray together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need some more female prayer workers here. Come on, Bertha. Come on up here. Get some more women prayer workers here. Get some of the women out of the nursery for me, Berto. I want every person to have a prayer worker. Quickly, Berto, help them out. Come on. The power of the Holy Spirit. I want to have everybody with the prayer worker right now. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, let's just pause for a minute. Okay, prayer workers, I need you to pause for a minute. Come on, all the prayer workers, pause and have everybody face me. Some of you might have already received it. God's on time right now, but we're going to pause just for a minute. I want everybody that's going to get prayer to face me. Joselito, Monique, just play lightning in the background, please. Monica, Tammy, I want everybody to look up at me, please, because I don't want nobody to miss this. If you haven't received it yet, you're, already, you're, just, you're in the right place. It's, it's already on you. God is a person. He's here. For some of you, you just came up. You started speaking in tongues. Ricky, I need you to turn around, please. Turn around, please. I want to see, that. I want to see everybody here. Listen to me. This is how we're going to do this. He, the Holy Spirit, is already in you. These prayer workers are just releasing him. And you are willing that he would come. That's why you came forward, right? Everybody here is willing. Now get ready to listen to the sound of heaven. If you cry, that's great. If you fall down, go boom, that's good. We'll pick you back up. If you laugh, that's okay. It don't matter. But when we lay our hands on you, just start to speak the language. Bertha, just face me real quick here. Just start to speak the language God gives you. And don't be nervous. And listen to me. Don't overthink it. Don't be like, I'm concentrating so hard. God, what are you going to say? God, you ain't going to hear him because you're concentrating so hard on what he's going to say. Just open up. Let him flow through you. Okay? Prayer workers, about face. Come on. Now face everybody right now. Lay your hands on them and say with me, prayer workers. Come on, prayer workers. Say this with me. Be filled with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Right now, that's where we're going to start right now. We'll explain it later, but some are just ready right now. Receive, 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 be filled. <laughs> Woo! Oh, be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled right now. Come on, we'll explain it in just a few minutes, but right now, just be filled. Be filled. <laughs> Woo! Jesus. Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Now, prayer workers, you're released. If you need to coach him, you can coach him. But he's here. Man is going to lead us in a song. And those of you who are hearing me and you want fresh fire, just sing it with us today. Come on, baptize me. Baptize us. Yes, Lord. Fill them. Fill them. We're not in a hurry today, so take your time. But some of you got it right now. He's with you. Come on, be filled. Be filled. Open your mind. 
Open your mouth and speak the melodies of heaven. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Speak out the melodies of heaven. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. With it. Get bold with it. Come on, get bold. Speak it out. Speak it out with confidence. You are filled. You are filled. Jesus. Jesus. all over you, man. Baptized. Come on, speak out those languages of heaven. Fuego. Mas Espirito Santo. Mas. Mas. More. More. <laughs> Gloria. Gloria. Fuego. Fuego. Jesus. see some of you already filled right now. Okay, Berto, this is where I'm going to need you to help me out. Because I want those who have already been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, to come on this stage and have them stand in front of me right here. Come on. You received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I know. I saw her. Come on. Come on up here. Come on. Brothers, you received the baptism? Jesus, come on, stand just right here and just face me. Just face me. Come on, just stand here and face me. Turn this way. Berto, I need you to help me. Berto, come on, just face me right here, brother. Just stand right here. Come on, stand right here for me. You don't need to face them. I, don't, I just want you to face me. Turn them facing me, okay? Come on. Come on, stand right here. Jesus. Jesus. Lynn, are you speaking in other tongues? Or are you just talking to Jesus? Okay, keep praying, keep praying. Jesus. Come on, brother, were you speaking in other tongues? God has blessed you. Come on up here. Jesus. Now, everybody, just pause for a minute. Come on, we don't need to be in a hurry today. Pause praying for a second. Don't pray again. I want everybody to turn and face me. Come on. We're going to give more instruction right now. Vanessa, we're going to give more instruction. Kirsten, these got filled with the Holy Ghost, not because they're better. They just opened up their heart. And you're going to get it right now, okay? You're going to get filled. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them. 
And then I want you to go to those who have still not been filled and just come lay your hand on their shoulders. Because this is fresh fire right here. Jesus. <laughs> I just feel fresh fire, man. Okay, y'all feel Jesus right now? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for them. And they're going to come lay their hands on your guys' shoulders. Now, the prayer workers, they're going to keep giving you instruction. But the instruction is really simple today. Just open up your heart. Get the sin out. Get condemnation out. Some of you think, I'm not good enough. Maybe God doesn't want to do it for me. And I've done all these bad things. Get all that junk out your heart. You know when I got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? The day I got saved. The day I got saved. I was still smoking. I was still a bad man jam. But God saved me and he gave it to me that same day. And so it shows us that God looks at the heart. And once you say, God, I want all the junk out, he'll do it. Okay? If you have questions, your prayer worker will pray with you. But let's just right now lay our hands on them. Right now, Father, fresh fire. You just begin to speak in those tongues right now. The Lord gave you tongues. Speak it out right now. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Speak it out. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now use these fresh coals off the altar to go lay their hands on the new ones. So now you guys go lay hands on the shoulders of those back here and just speak in tongues. Come on, Bert, help them out. Now all of you here, raise your hands one more time. Come on and say, Jesus, fill me. Come on, prayer workers, help them. Fill them, Jesus. Come on, God's not playing favorites today. All of you are children of God. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, man. Let's keep singing that. Amen. Praise God. There you go. There you go. Release it. Release it. That's the fire of God on you. Open your mouth and speak it out right now. There you go. There you go. Fire. There you go. Come on. That's the Holy Ghost, girl. That's the Holy Ghost. Don't doubt him. Don't doubt him today. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Oh! <laughs> Glory! like electricity. I feel him all over you, girl. Just let it out. Let it out. That's the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yes, Lord.
that's fresh. That is that's fresh fire. Charlie, that's the Lord turning on the spout where the glory comes out. Shh, come on, just keep speaking. And I, come on, we're not here to embarrass you. I just wanted others to hear. That's what it sounds like. That's the glory of heaven. Shh. That's the glory of heaven, Charlie. Come on. Oh, now just begin to say, God, use me. Come on, those of you who have been filled with the Holy Ghost and you're up here speaking in tongues, now just begin to pray, God, use you. Because remember, we're not just doing this to get high on Jesus. We're doing this so we can get filled with power. Remember, we got a service to come to next week to lay hands on people. We've got friends to go talk to, co-workers to pray for. Come on. Oh, he's got a precious call. Can I just raise your hand right here? Oh, Jesus. God, you've done so much in Charlie's life. Oh, God, and you've just turned on the power of God. You just flipped a switch in him today. I pray that devil doesn't come and distract him. Pull him away from the purpose you've given him. Oh, God, use him for your glory. Use him for your glory, Jesus. Your glory, God. Come on, you know there was something inside of you. When I was talking about signs and wonders, you started thinking about movies you've watched and friends you've had and talked about with books you guys read and magic and all of that. And you know on the inside of you, you want that. You want the real twilight. You want the real power of God. You want the real Harry Potter. Let me tell you, it comes from God, not a demonic spirit. But yet you had a doubt and you said, but I don't know if that stuff's real. I don't know. And I just want you to hear today, God is saying, it's as real as you have faith to believe in it. Come on, your friends want to see a real God. How about you show it to them? Come on, your friends need real deliverance. Bring it to them. Your friends need to see real healing. What separates you from John the Apostle? Come on, nothing. I just pray against any doubt in your heart right now that doesn't think you can go out and do the things you saw in the Bible. You can and will. You have been given power. Come on, you think you're any different than me? I've seen demons cast out. That stuff you've seen in movies, I've seen it happen. That's what God wants to use you to do. That's why you feel that fire on you right now. That's how I would describe it. How would you describe it? What are you feeling right now, man? Like a warmth, like a, I can't explain it. Like, it's like in your stomach, in your bosom, right? That's what the Bible calls the heart of your soul. Let it come out, God. Let it come out. See, tongues releases that power. That's what we say. The, the mouth is the glory, is the spout where the glory comes out. That's just a way of describing. The Bible says rivers of living water are in you. Rivers of fire, rivers of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep praying and prophesying because I know God's got a plan for him. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Let go of the baggage. Amen. Jesus. We're going to sing another worship song, but I'm just giving time to the Lord.
to move. We're not in a hurry. I know some of you are still here because you're hungry. Will you remember this and bring your friends next week? Because we're going next week. The only difference is you're going to be laying hands on people. See, today was your empowerment. Today was the day to receive that power. Next week, you're going to be laying hands on people. Jesus. Jesus. Nancy, can you help Tammy right here? Let's sing a worship song. Hallelujah. Just something that glorifies Him. Yes, God. Can we put the words up there? We just want to glorify Him. Some of you who have been being prayed for, maybe you just need to take a break right now. Just relax. And put your heart back on Him for a few moments. Because that's really all it's about. For you. We cry holy, holy are you. Those of you who can, just worship with us. baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can sing in those tongues right now. The Bible says you can sing in tongues too. You don't just have to pray in tongues. Come on, give us one key. Just stay in the one major key there. Make it easy for us. Come on, make it easy for us. And help us. Give us a melody. And let us sing in the Spirit to this melody. You got to make it a little lower for some of the guys. Come on. Come on. Come on, singers. Give us a melody of the Spirit. Come on. Come on, give us a melody. If you're in a wrong key, you need to switch your key. But we need a melody today. Come on, give an ease. Just pick G, baby. Come on. We're going to teach some people how to sing in the Spirit. Come on, give us a melody, brother of the Lord. There you go. And by the way, that's a hint for singing songs. We need to sing songs and keys that people understand. Amen. Oh, la, na, 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 na,